Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. This is episode 56 of the Student Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Cullum, and today we're going to be talking to Gerald Fadiyami. Gerald is the author of a brand new book called When Life Gives You Lemons. He's also a longtime youth worker, and we're going to get a chance to talk about um, all of that today, and I'm so excited, and more, uh, and more. There's so much to, to talk to him today. And also, if you stay tuned to the very end, we're actually going to give away a free copy of his book, When Life Gives You Lemons, so make sure you stay tuned into the very end of today's podcast. Before we jump into all that, I would I want to first thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have not subscribed on your favorite podcast app, if you haven't shared it with other youth workers, if you haven't left a comment sharing with us what you think about the podcast, please do that. That'd be so helpful. And we also want to thank our sponsor for this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast, and that is G-Shades Student Curriculum. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy that focuses on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. Since the pandemic has hit so many churches hard financially, G-Shades is actually offering six months free of their middle school and high school curriculum. That's absolutely free starting on July 1st. Each series is going to be complete with full message manuscripts, teaching manuscripts, small group guides, parent guides, Instagram devotionals, games, graphic slides, and bumper videos. There's so much packed into every teaching series. Six months of G-Shades premium subscription is usually $140, but G-Shades is offering it to you completely for free to help you with your lead pastor while churches begin to recover from this pandemic. So starting on July 1st, go to gshades.org to download six months free youth ministry curriculum and tell a youth worker friend about this awesome gift so that their church can get in on it too. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. Hey, Gerald, thanks so much for joining us today on the Student Ministry Podcast. Thanks, man. I'm so excited to be with you today. Yeah, I am too. Uh, for for some of the listeners, I'm sure uh, they've they've maybe don't they're not familiar with you. Um, I think a lot of people are. You've been making a lot of waves within the student ministry world, both within your own work within churches and everything, but also a lot of your work with seniors and graduation and that transition from high school to college. You've done a lot of great work around there. But for everyone, um, let's start off just talking about your story and. Feel free to, to share as much as you want, but we'd love to know, yeah, how, how you became a Christian, what your upbringing was like, and, and your calling to ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, still live in Atlanta uh, today. My parents were actually never married. Um, my mom is from Liberia. Her name is Ekwa. My dad's from Nigeria. His name is Oluwafemi. Somehow they had a kid named Gerald, which <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Um so yeah, my, because they were never married, it was a really interesting relationship with my dad. He kind of left the picture around third grade. Um, in my younger years, I spent some time homeless. I spent some time in foster care. Uh, the church was always a part of my story. My mom always made sure we got to church regardless of what was going on um, in our life. I wasn't a Christian, but I was always in the church. Uh, fast forward from like my elementary years, I'll get to high school. 
Uh, my junior year of high school was probably the most difficult year of my life. Um, most high school students would say junior year is really hard. And that's usually because like ACTs, SATs, mm -hmm. AP courses, which nowadays you have to take college classes to get into college, which I don't even know how that makes sense. <laughs> right. Um, but junior year was hard for me, not because of school. It was because actually a phone call that I got from my mom. Um, my mom called me in the middle of the night one night. I was at home by myself. And she was calling me from a police department. Um, she had been arrested for aggravated stalking, um, which sounds like really bad. So context, my mom is a diagnosed schizophrenic. Um, when she is off her medication, she can become extremely like compulsive um, and obsessive about things. And so uh, she found herself in a situation that she should not have been in at all, um, but unfortunately ended up spending some time in jail because of that. And so at 16 years old, at that point, um, I kind of took the reins of my life on my own um, and, and entered into adulthood. Um, I became a club promoter when I finished high school. I threw parties all over the city of Atlanta, um, worked with some pretty big artists and some pretty big uh, event centers here in Atlanta, um, and honestly thought my life was going really well. Everything that I imagined life would be in terms of like partying, drinking, smoking, relationships, all of the things that uh, the world would say, yeah, you're, you're kind of living it up and winning right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I was experiencing. It wasn't until the third year of doing that, um, when I had three friends who were murdered and one friend commit suicide all in the same year, Mm. that made me really start asking questions about my life. And so I started attending church. I went to North Point um, Ministries, their, their Buckhead location, and went to uh, Passion City. So I go to North Point in the morning and Passion at night. And I did this double church thing for a while, got invested at North Point, made the decision to follow Jesus at North Point. I became a volunteer, uh, eventually a small group leader. And then from being a small group leader and spending time with the staff, got hired on staff in 2014 um, and entered into full-time ministry. And so from 2014 to 2019, uh, I was a student pastor at the Brownsbridge campus, um, led a student ministry there with an incredible team and some awesome students. And then after uh, 2019, I made the decision to actually transition off of staff uh, and jump into some ministry stuff of my own. I just felt like the Lord was calling me to, to do some different things. And so I launched a conference for college and young adult students um, who, where we go out and serve uh, together. And so it's a service-based conference. Um, I launched a monthly gathering called Church uh, that'll actually start this August at Mountain Lake Church um, here in Atlanta. Uh, and then I've been writing as well. So I've written a couple of books for seniors and just wrote my first book for like a wide general audience uh, as well. So that's a little bit about me and my life. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Um, quite a, quite a journey. I like, I guess my big question is along the way, did you, did you ever picture yourself in, in ministry? I mean, kind of I'm, I'm assuming probably at a young age, you probably didn't, but I guess when was that, that moment you're like, yeah, this may, might, this might be the thing. Yeah. I don't know that I ever really pictured it. It wasn't until I was asked as, as I was already a small group leader um, to host and just lead some games for our students. Mm -hmm. uh, our student pastor had come to the YMCA where I was working at the time and saw me do some like team building icebreaker things. I was like, hey, dude, I think you could be good at like doing that. And so he asked me to do it on some Sundays, and I did that. And uh, as I was doing that, he helped me develop my voice and helped me write my first sermon, uh, which I never thought that I would do. And so uh, preaching, ministry, never thought that that would be a part of the picture. 
Um, but here we are. I actually do want to go back really quickly to my story, though. I just realized sure, sure. I'm so used to telling my story up to the point of like getting hired at the church. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so much more to my story now. So I got married. I met my wife at North Point, which is pretty amazing. Uh, she's the best. And we had identical twin girls like eight weeks ago, and they're the best. So uh, congratulations. Continuing for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so I'm curious as well, like all of the, your, your past with, with, um, you know, struggling with, with your parents and, and be on the streets at some point and the, even in the, the party scene and things like that, has that been able to help you within your ministry and how you connect with students, how you connect with families and, and especially high school students and like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've learned in this last season of life that God really does redeem all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think early on in my Christianity, I thought that God redeemed us for the purposes of salvation only. Um, and I'm now realizing that God didn't just redeem us for eternity. He redeemed us for today as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing it in small little ways, right? Like um, my mom having schizophrenia never really shared that with a lot of people because I was embarrassed by it and people don't really understand. Um, but then I found myself as a student pastor getting a phone call uh, from a parent who went, hey, my son's biological mom is schizophrenic and we're trying to figure out how to make this work and how to teach him to love her well as a Christian, but also how to create safe boundaries. And, you know, as I've walked through that in counseling to see God be able to use that what was what I was learning in my life to be helpful to that student um, kind of blew my mind. The same things with like marketing and promoting as a club promoter, mm-hmm. going to the University of Georgia and passing out flyers like a club promoter would for a church conference was <laughs> crazy to me, right? Like I'm literally outside passing out flyers going, oh my gosh, like this is what I did, <laughs> yeah. you know, 10 years ago as a, as a club promoter. And so, um, yeah, even seeing that and some of the conversations I've even been able to have with students um, where they see me as like a real, regular, everyday, dude, you've done all of the things that I'm dealing with right now. I can I can take your voice seriously and I can trust you in this conversation. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, so let's, let's look at your ministry a little bit now. I'd love to, to hear. Um, of course, like you said, you, you've transitioned out of, um, I guess so, so called traditional, uh, youth ministry, but you're still doing a lot of things with students, uh, and everything. So, so what is, what's ministry look like for you nowadays? Yeah, so I would say it's probably 60% traveling and preaching at different youth events, conferences, D-Now weekends, uh, summer camps, like all that kind of stuff. Um, And then Sunday mornings, a lot of different churches as well. Um, But when I'm not on the road and traveling and preaching, which I love doing, um, I get a chance to help build this annual conference that we do for college students, um, hoping to help redefine the faith of a generation, that our faith would not be a come and see, I'm going to sit in the pews or sit in the the chairs or in the rows and listen to somebody tell me what it looks like to follow Jesus, but actually being a generation of people who serve the least of these like Jesus called us to do. Um, Social justice is happening all around our world, all around our country, um, I think the banner for that should be raised by the church and should be raised by the followers of Jesus. And so trying to help redefine a faith of a generation in that way. Um, And then when I'm not doing that, I get a chance to write. Um, I wrote Before You Go for high school seniors to help transition them out of high school and prepare them for what's next. I wrote uh, Starting Now with Crystal Chang uh, for the college freshmen. So to remind them of what we talked about in Before You Go, but also to help them think about 
uh, the context and the relationships and the community and their faith as it relates to the new season that they're in. And then most recently, uh, I just finished a book that's releasing on June 15th. So by the time you listen to this, it's out. Um, it's called When Life Gives You Lemons. Uh, and it's three must-ask questions for navigating seasons of adversity. And as I shared my story at the beginning uh, of the podcast, I don't know much about a lot of things. I'm not an expert really in anything. Um, but adversity is something I know all too well. And for most of my life, I've responded to it really poorly. Um, I think as of recent, I've learned some things and I've identified some questions that if I'll ask in seasons of adversity, actually help me grow um, and actually help me deepen my relationship with Jesus. Um, one, of the, one of the big things in the book, actually two big things in the book um, are this. One is I want to help people slow down for long enough to ask the right questions. We typically ask the question why when we face hard things. Um, but I've just learned that why is never really the right question to ask. It never leads us to a positive place. It doesn't allow us to see the goodness of God in our circumstance. And in most cases, it keeps us from growing in the way that God wants us to grow. And so I want to slow down, ask the right questions so we can get the most out of our adversity. Um, but secondly, and this is, the, this is the anchor of the whole book, is I want to redefine the word good for all of us, right? Um, for me, good has always been according to my plan and my purpose, right? If things are going well, and they're going the way that I want, then everything's all good and God is good. In moments that things aren't going the way that I want, that's where we have questions about the goodness of God. Okay? So think about Romans 8, 28. Um, and we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and been called according to his purpose. Right? Um, we often fill in his with our, who've been called according to our purpose. No, 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 it's called according to his purpose. So to understand the goodness of God, we have to understand the purpose of God for us I think the purpose of God for us is twofold. One, that we're conformed into the image of his son, that we become more like Jesus. And two, that we make disciples, that we lead people to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. So if that's God's purpose for us, then we have to go back and look at all of our seasons of adversity and ask ourselves, do they make us more like Jesus? Well, the scriptures would say, as we suffer, we suffer like Christ suffered, therefore making us more like Jesus, right? So yes. And then two, has the adversity in our life produced opportunities where we can share the gospel. And if the answer to those two questions is yes, then we have to then redefine the adversity as it was hard, it was painful, maybe we wouldn't wish to go through it again and we wouldn't wish it on someone else, but the end result of it is good, right? This is what Joseph said in in Genesis, right? Like, um, you intended to harm me, but God meant it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so I want to help people slow down ask the right questions. I want to redefine what good is for us. And hopefully in all of that, we'll be able to do what James said in James 1. And that's consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, because we know that it leads to perseverance for us. And that perseverance will lead to a mature and complete faith where we lack nothing. And that's the kind of faith as youth leaders we need um, so that we can model it for for the next generation that's coming behind us. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I was, I was just talking with, uh, some of our high school students last night. We were, we're going through rooted, uh, for the students and, and we were talking a lot about identity last night and how some of those, those adversities in our lives and things like that are, are the things that we sometimes let define who we are instead of anchoring in that and, and what you said, it, it, who we are in Christ and, and our purpose to carry out his mission in this world. And so that's so good to be able to go to those situations and, and see, that had that perspective to, to see, okay, how is God working in this for his purpose? Um, so I'd love to know, like, is this, is this book and your other ones are kind of written to, towards students? Um, is this written towards students or is this kind of a broader audience this time? 
Yeah, so this book is written to anyone who has, is, or will go through a season of adversity. So it's volunteers, it's staff, it's uh, students, it's uh, parents, adults, it's anyone who's going through adversity. And honestly, for all of us right now with coronavirus, we're all kind of in that space. And so the hope is that this would be helpful to everyone. Um, in fact, as I, as I wrote the book, one of the issues that I had with it, I was like really wrestling with this is that adversity a lot of times can lead to anxiety. It's kind of the root that causes anxiety for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to write about that. And as I would start writing, I just felt so convicted. I was like, I am not an expert in this. And I don't want to write something that's not going to be helpful as it relates to anxiety. And so I called my friend Hannah Hall. She's actually a licensed professional counselor uh, up in Athens and asked her if she would come alongside me and help me with this project. And so we are releasing with the book um, a video course that will be available for purchase as well. Uh, and the course will be 15 videos where Hannah and I, with her expertise as a, as a professional counselor, talk about navigating adversity, but dive in specifically to how we battle anxiety with some really practical exercises, videos, worksheets, things that we can really do um, so that we can, we can kind of fight that thing that a lot of us are wrestling with right now. One of the things that she does that I'm so excited about, I, I think this resource is like worth everything. Um, and we're actually giving this one away for free because I believe in it so much. Um, is she's going to, she's created a, a resource that'll help you identify feelings of anxiety versus clinical anxiety. So that we know, hey, maybe this means that I should see a professional. Maybe there's more to it than like I need to toughen up or I need to find some practices and things that I should just try at home. No, no, no. This, this may be a moment that I need to go see someone. And it's not foolproof. You know, like sure. we can't do a money back guarantee on that. Um, but hopefully it'll help people identify like, ah, OK, like this means that I should probably go see a professional and they can help me navigate this a little bit better. Oh, that's so good. Oh, thank, I, thanks in advance for that resource, because I know that's going to be such a huge benefit to the church and, and probably just the, the overall community or our, our country as well. That's yeah. that's awesome. So I, I'm curious, um, you probably didn't start writing this, I'm assuming, during the COVID thing. So so when this all started transpiring and everything and it starts lining up with, oh, hey, like there's a there's a lot of lemons that we're being dealt with right now. How did what, what was your, I guess, mindset uh, as all this started happening to us? Yeah. So what's ironic is I actually did start writing it during coronavirus. It happened. You, really, you popped it out really quick. <laughs> yeah. So, so let me get some context. I was writing another book I've been working on for probably six or seven months and I would write it and feel like I'm not supposed to be writing this. Mm -hmm. I'm just writing a book to write a book. And I don't know that like this is there's any like real calling behind writing it. I just feel like I want to write something right now. And so I'd actually made the decision a little bit ago that I wasn't going to write it. I'd stopped writing that book and had just kind of tabled it and wasn't writing anything. Um, and then coronavirus hit. And here's what happened for us in coronavirus. Uh, I mentioned that we have identical twin girls at home now. Um, I did not mention that I actually had to miss their birth because of coronavirus. I'd just come back from a trip. I wasn't feeling super great. So I went to the hospital, got the coronavirus test. They told me it'd be 48 hours before I got my results back. And in the middle of those 48 hours, my wife went into labor. And because I didn't have my test back, they would not let me in the hospital. Um, and because my wife had to take the test, she could not see or be with our girls for the first two days of their life either. We got our test results back uh, on that Friday, so two days after they were born. They were negative. We saw our girls for two days and then got a phone call telling us that the NICU where our girls were had to be closed down because of a confirmed case of coronavirus with another family. 
And so it ended up being another three weeks that we didn't see our girls. So in their first month of life, we saw them for four days. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that led to a season where my wife and I were at home together um, without our girls in a season of adversity, wrestling through it, trying to figure out how to navigate this well, trying to figure out how to have hope in the middle of it, but also grieve the season that we were in, trying to figure out how to prepare best for our girls when they got home. Um, and in all of that, I just started writing things down. I was actually reminded of a sermon that I had preached uh, a couple of years before on the life of Joseph. And I was thinking about that sermon and took some concepts, concepts from his life and from that sermon and put together this book in two months. Um, and it just happened so easily. It just all flew, uh, kind of all flowed out of me um, because it was what I was living in the moment. It's the season that we we're actually in. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's that's incredible. I, I follow you on Instagram and I knew that there was some there were some things going on, but I didn't know all of that. That's that's incredible. Um, but, but again, a, a, another time of adversity, but God seems to have redeemed that situation and, yep. and is able to now hopefully use this, this book to really reach a lot of people and, and help a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. That's my hope and prayer for sure. Wow. Um, I'd love to, to dive into a little bit. I, I, um, I know one of the things that's really on your heart, um, is the, the adversity around racial reconciliation and everything like that. Um, do you have anything to say, I guess, as far as like, what, what can the church, what, what can we do as a church, um, especially around that situation? We know a lot of stuff's been still going on. It feels like every time we make some headway, all of a sudden something else, you know, horrible happens. And so I guess before we, if we, you know, wrap up today or anything else. Um, I'd love to give, just give you a, a chance to speak into that specifically. Cause I know it's, it's really big on your heart. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. I really appreciate it. Um, with the book that I'm writing or that I finished writing, um, when life gives you lemons, I decided that I wanted to have some conversations, some honest conversations with friends, um, about some of the adversity that people face in our country. And so every Friday, actually on my Instagram starting next week, uh, I'm going to release like a low produced, it's just a zoom conversation, um, between friends. But one of the, the weeks will be about race with some friends of mine, um, as well. And so you'll definitely want to check that out. We'll talk about race, adversity, um, and how we kind of navigate that in our country. Um, but specifically to answer your question, um, I've been asked this a couple of times on a couple of podcasts and I've been giving a very vague answer intentionally because I don't think we can make progress if someone tells us what to do, but our heart is not in line with doing it. Right. And so I think some of, of what turns our heart is when we actually do the work to understand something, then it changes the way that we respond. Um, and so I'm not going to give specifics, but I will give a vague enough answer to point you in a direction that hopefully if you'll do this, um, will turn your heart a little bit and maybe re help you rethink things or help you understand some ways forward. So here's what I'll say. I would go and read the story of the good Samaritan three times. And understand the context of the conversation. Context of the conversation is a teacher of the law who wants to get out of loving his neighbor. So he asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus takes two groups who did not racially get along under any circumstances. He makes the inferior racial group the hero of the story. And he shows the way that this person would care for his neighbor, who he should have hated because of his race and the history between them and their countries. Um, that story, the response of the Good Samaritan to this man who's beaten on the side of the road, I think is the key to how we move forward in this conversation and in this topic. Um, without giving too much away, because I really do want you to dig in this on your own. 
What's interesting to me is that the Good Samaritan never asked the guy who was beat up by the robbers how he got there. <laughs> he just had compassion and he did a couple of things that I hope you'll dig in and pay attention to what the Samaritan did and then start doing those things in your own life personally, um, but also publicly. And, and maybe that'll be the difference for all of us moving forward. Mm, that's so good. Uh, so good. Gerald, you shared a lot of wisdom and tips already, but I want to give you a chance. You got a, an audience of youth workers who are listening to this podcast and, um, I, you've got several years in youth ministry. You now expanded that a little beyond youth ministry. Um, you've got a lot of different experience within different careers before that. Um, what are some tips that you'd like to share with, with all the youth workers listening today? That's great. Can I give two? Is that fair? Okay. I'm going to give a personal and a professional. Um, for personally, one of the questions in the book is what's in my control. So that's the first, first book or first, uh, first question, first, one of the first chapters of the book, what's in my control. Um, I think a helpful thing for us to do as student ministry leaders, and I got this wrong when I was a student ministry leader is to ask ourselves that question. Anytime we feel a tension between us and our superior, whoever our, our boss is, whether it's the next gen pastor or the lead pastor at your church, um, I think of budget when I think about this, hmm. uh, when budget season comes around and you ask for an increase and they tell you no, and you expected them to say yes this year because they've been bragging on the student ministry and you think they really get it. And then you didn't get the increase and you find yourself frustrated. Uh, you find yourself upset. There's all these concerns, anxieties, anger, bitterness, things that we all kind of wrestled with before. In a season like that, I think it's important for us to slow down for long enough to go. Hey, in this, what's in my control? Okay, my attitude, the volunteers I recruit, the way I love on students, my small group leaders, all of that stuff is still in our control. The things that aren't in our control, I think we should release those to God and trust that he knows what's best. And then we do the things that are in our control to the best of our ability. Uh, if we do that, I think what, what happens is we find more peace, right? Like we live a life that's way more peace filled um, when we do that. And so I'd, I'd say to youth leaders, ask yourself that question. Whenever you feel attention um, in your own personal life, you should ask that professional as a youth pastor. Um, I would say coming out of coronavirus, the most important thing that we can do as a community is lean into community. Um I know that planning like a really great, big welcome back Sunday is a thing that we should also do. Like, I'm not trying to discredit that at all. Um, but I did a survey on social media early on in coronavirus and I asked about 400 people responded, um, five different questions. And one of the questions was, has this season increased your need for community? And over 70% of people went from like a medium yes to like a hard yes on that. <laughs> And so I think that more than anything, people realize out of coronavirus, their need for other people. And one of the unique benefits of the church is that we can create spaces where that can happen uh, in really positive and healthy ways. And so I would say coming out of this, let's push hard on community. It's our unique offering. It's the thing that we can do better than anyone else in the world. And then let's let all the other stuff be bonus. Um, but if a student can walk out of this knowing that there's some other students who are for them and some leaders who care for them and love them, man, I think it'll make a world of difference. So those are my two tips. I hope they're helpful. Oh yeah. They're, they're helpful to me for sure. <laughs> if no one, nothing else, I, I know I, I've been helpful. Uh, they've been helping me because I think that's my wife and I were j just talking about that yesterday. I think, um, one of the, the struggles coming out of this is how to balance that, that thing that's like been just driven inside of me for so long to create good programs. But really, 
like we're seeing just the that importance on community, like you said, and and how can we increase that coming out of this? Not everything has to be programmed out and all those other things. Let's see how much we can focus on people. But it's sometimes it's a struggle though to like yeah. because you got that that thing just driving you for whatever reason that says, oh, I've got to build this and I've got to build that. Um, sure. But what people really need is is that community. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so good. Gerald, I know that people are going to want to connect with you. I know they're going to want to check out your books. Um, I can highly recommend uh, the two books that, that you have out already because um, I've used both of them as gifts for our graduates so far. Last year we used Before You Go. This year we're handing out uh, starting now uh, to the, the students. Uh, walked through that um, Before You Go with our high school graduates last year. It was a fantastic read and it generated some really good conversation. So I'm sure people are going to want to check out those and also your your upcoming book uh where is the best place to find you online and find out everything about your books yeah yeah thanks for thanks for asking that um on social media on all platforms at gerald fediomi here's the thing you can't spell my last name so you're never <laughs> gonna find me if you look it up that way uh, i would just say go to the lemonbook.com the lemonbook.com uh, and that'll take you to my site uh, it'll take you to the free resources that hannah and i've put together it'll take you to the course that you can register for register your students for it'll take you to the links to purchase the books and all other information about me is there It'll also help you know how to spell my name if you want to follow me on any social media. So, thelemonbook.com. That's awesome. A good thing, I, I've noticed my iPhone has learned how to spell your name. So I think I just put it in there a couple times and now I just put F-A-D-A and it, it fills in the rest. So I love it. I love it. It's pretty great. Now you're now you're part of my iPhone uh, dictionary, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald, it's been so awesome to have you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you so much for, for being here. May God bless your ministry. Yes, yeah, Steve. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. And thank you once again for tuning in today to listen to this conversation between Gerald and me. I hope you learned a lot, and I hope you're going to continue to check out his content, especially his brand new book, When Life Gives You Lemons. And if you want a chance to win a free copy of his book, just head to the description or the show notes and click the link in that. Um, and you'll have several different ways to enter into the contest. We're going to run this into the very end of June 2020. So you're going to get a couple weeks to enter. Uh, be sure to share with other people if, if you think they would enjoy an opportunity to win this as well. And uh, continue to send Gerald some love and, and buy his book, share with others as well. But if you want that free chance uh, to get a free copy of, of his book, make sure you do hit that link in the description uh, and the, the show notes of this podcast. Uh, thanks again also for G Shades for sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. Don't forget, starting July 1st, go to gshades.org to download six months of free youth ministry curriculum. Thank you, G Shades, for sponsoring, and thank you so much for offering six months free curriculum. That's amazing. And for all of you, thank you again for being here. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe. Be sure to share this podcast with others. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be back next time with another interview, another conversation around student ministry, uh, talking with people that just love ministry and love doing it with students and teenagers and families and, and just learning from each other. It's been great, uh, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed today, and may God bless your ministry.